Hello, we are back again, everyone. How is everyone doing? How are you doing, Peter? Most importantly, how is life? Uh, well, hi, everyone. I hope that everyone is doing well. I'm doing well, you know, just keep keep grinding, same old. Um, it's nice to see everything kind of starting to reopen as well. Much, much more positive vibe around, you know, the pubs reopening and hopefully gyms reopening now soon as well. So, you know, very, very happy about that. And how are you, Dick? I'm really good, thanks, Dan. Um, yeah, I'm used to lockdown now and in a weird way. Yeah, obviously, Stop Off has been good. In a, in a sense, I've got this maybe hesitation where I've gotten so used to lockdown, things opening, I'm, I'm like, oh, shit, I need to get back into the, the mood of being out and about and seeing people. But no, it's been all positive. I got sunburned on Sunday um, hanging out with my friends in the beer garden. So that was <laughs> a solid uh, a solid start. <laughs> Amazing. So it's all, all good stuff. And I'm really looking forward to today's topic. And to give you guys listening a quick introduction, this is now episode number 11. And we're doing a deep dive a bit of a, a quick, intense 20 minutes or so on fat loss. And one of the reasons I was really keen to cover it is the timing and the fact that we've been in lockdown for about four months, I think now. And if we're totally honest with ourselves, and I do include my own habits and consistency in this, we've probably not been at our best with nutrition for, well, the reason that we're going through a, a bloody pandemic. Um, so before we start, Peter, if it's okay for you with a bit of basics, because I think that the the need or urgency people have to lose fat often leads people to try in certain approaches that are perhaps not based on science and slightly not sustainable for people and they often don't get results and are quite frustrated if you had to describe to somebody the principle of being in a calorie deficit how would you describe it um first and foremost patience and sticking to it i think where most people go wrong with their fat loss is that they expect the results to happen quickly and when they don't see the results in the first week or the second week, they get disheartened because they really put a lot of effort to it. They, you know, they try to eat clean. They try to cut all the crap out of their diet. They really try to exercise a lot. And, you know, and you're putting all of that effort in and then you're seeing nothing. But that's because it takes a while for that, that response to kick in. And also, you know, you can actually at the beginning of a fat loss journey, you can actually gain weight as well, especially if you're retaining more water you might still be building muscle and stuff like that. So for me, the most important thing that I've learned through, you know, trying it myself and then helping a couple of people with that as well was to just just be patient and have your eyes on the price, like know why you're doing it and know your goal before you start and having that goal, that number or body fat percentage or whatever it is to work towards really, 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 really helps. Now, in terms of the actual principle of the fat loss, it's it's basically when you boil it down to the basics is as easy as it gets it's it's simple and pure math if you're just talking about fat loss on its own is you have to be expanding more energy than 
then you're inputting into your body. It's as simple as that. And so for me, for me, the biggest principle that people can do is just to move around more throughout the day. It's not necessarily carving out more time to exercise and doing all these fancy exercises, fat burner, workouts, 30 minute abs and those sort of things. Walk a lot more. Just you have no idea how much or rather how many calories you can burn just walking to and from work, uh, picking up your kids, going for a morning walk just before work or going for an evening uh, digestion walk, a lunchtime walk or whatever it is. You're not sweating. You don't have to change your clothes afterwards. It's very convenient. And you know, you're just burning and burning and burning those calories. And what's really cool about um, kind of low, low, intensity exercise like that is that vast majority of those calories are going to come from fat so when you're doing something like you know HIIT sprints for example you're going to burn more calories but a lot of those calories are going to come from sugar because you need those quick energy release molecules that are going to fuel that workout but when you're just you know walking for ages throughout the day you're using those fasters because that energy is not required to be released as quickly. And so if you're just losing fat, actually doing that low intensity exercise throughout the day becomes really, really important. It's such a brilliant point. And what I love about moving around more and raising your needs, i.e. non-exercise activity thermogenesis to use the, well, (laughs) potentially boring science uh, definition and I love this because I think that for me it really speaks to like you said taking it slow being sensible but also the fact that it doesn't have to be hard and I'm not sure if I've ever shared with you this anecdote that I heard on I think it was an entrepreneurial podcast but I loved the almost messaging behind it and one of the guests was speaking about going cycling and he had this cycling route that he loved going on uh, most days and uh, many weeks and when he would do it he would normally go as quickly as he could he'd be sweating he'd be really really pushing himself hard and by the end of it he'd be actually exhausted and he would always notice the time it took and for him it was always around 45 minutes and then he said one day he was just a bit bored of, of trying to go all out. And he said, you know what? I'm just going to relax, ease into it. I'm going to enjoy the ride, check out the scenery, the nature, etc." He looked at the time at the end and it was genuinely like two minutes longer, like 47. And I know that's a potentially a bit of a tangent, but for me that really speaks for this sense of, if it's hard and you're struggling, you're doing it wrong. That is my view personally, because you really get to this point where it's burnout, stop, burnout, stop versus it's almost a bit of a metaphor of taking it slow in terms of your intensity and things like walking are awesome. Um, so yeah, I a hundred percent echo that. I think it's really interesting. I don't have any stats off the top of my head, but how few calories you burn with exercise. Um, yeah, obviously it depends. I'm not sure if you know some off the top of your head, Peter, but 
I always find it interesting where to burn like 200 calories, you need to bust yourself for at least 20, 30 minutes, if not longer. Do you know any numbers roughly? Yes. So for example, roughly for a person like me who weighs, you know, 79 kilograms of, I'm about just under six feet tall, uh, fairly fit. If I run for an hour, I'm going to burn just over 700 calories going at like a reasonably slow pace. So, you know, kind of a zone to heart rate effort, um, the kind of effort where you can talk to someone or you can just breathe for your nose. So really not pushing myself. I can burn about give or take 700 calories in an hour's run. But, you know, that speaks volumes when you convert that and it's like two Snicker bars and two packs of crisps or, or something like that. I don't know the figures exactly, but basically to your point is we often underestimate how many calories our food has and tend to overestimate how much calories we burn in a given exercise session. It's so true, isn't it? And I think it's really interesting. I think I want to double check and look into this again, but I think there have been studies on how bad we are at, like you said, A, estimating our calorie intake, and then B, estimating our exercise. I've only did a study on it, and everyone was just miles away and did terribly. Um, so that's something worth bearing in mind. And if you want any things to focus on as metrics, and please chip in on this as well, Peter, but for me, one of them would be steps per day, which is a really good way of measuring your needs or at least trying to keep it consistent. And if you possibly can, a good rule of thumb um, that I often recommend is about 10,000 steps per day. Any more is a nice bonus. And that really helps to keep your metabolism going. And then calories. If you're quite early in your fitness journey, I would recommend using MyFitnessPal at least for a couple of months. It's never intended to be forever. And the amount that you learn about what's actually in your food, how big a portion size genuinely is, all these supposedly healthy foods like coconut chips that actually are a pain in the ass when it comes to the, the fat content and, and calories. Is there anything, Peter, that anyone listening you think should measure, whether it's daily or weekly or monthly? Yes, their weight. <laughs> no, but to be honest with you, I I don't like weight as a measurement with how cheap those scales that measure your body composition are now on Amazon. You can literally get one for like 20 pounds and they're fairly reliable. And if they're off in terms of the absolute values, they're at least be more likely than not, they're going to be consistent in how off they are, which means that when you use the same instrument over and over, that error becomes, you know, not non-existent really. You can actually track your progress fairly accurately. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't really go with weight as much as I would go with muscle percentage and body fat percentage. And they also allow you to measure your water content as well, which nicely brings me to my biggest advice, which is drink a lot of water, a lot of fluids but mostly a lot of water, you know, really nice, gentle herbal and fruit teas as well are really nice. You know, I can have really nice white tea as well if you don't want to spike up your your caffeine intake. In terms of 
tracking as well. Um, if you want to get more into it, you can look at your uh, um, heart rate during exercise and heart rate variability as well. The reason behind it is that once you get deep into your cut, obviously your workouts are going to suffer and you need to adjust your intensity. And so having a look at those metrics as well and recognizing where it might be too much to, you know, kind of keep pushing in an exercise session. And if you need to like step the intensity down a little bit, I think it's really important as well. Such a great point, actually. And it brings us nicely on to exercise itself and conscious of time, but I want to get your opinion on the best exercises to focus on. And I know for me, at least from what I've read and what I've learned and what I've applied, the irony to a certain extent with weight training, at least from what I've, I understand, is you shouldn't actually really change anything. And one of the really interesting reframes that I heard a while back that I, I love actually is obviously when you're losing weight, you yourself are lower in in mass and the the general advice i hear is try and stay to the same amount of weight lifted if that makes sense so for instance if you during your workouts are doing bench press and you typically do three sets of 12 of 75 kg try and stick to that same amount when you're losing fat and that should really help with muscle retention and the reframe that i think is quite fun and quite positive is when you're losing weight if you can lift that same amount you're actually technically improving your strength but please correct me on that peter and yeah what's your thoughts on exercise and and the best approach well that really depends on on the approach you're taking right because you also have a school that says that you technically, if you're properly cutting and you're going for it, you technically shouldn't be able to lift your normal weight. That's how you kind of know that even maintaining is a bit of a struggle. That's when you know that you're like deep into the cut. But I would agree with you. Like, I think, I think you're not, if you're, if you can make gains on the way that you're lifting, you're not cutting essentially, because mm-hmm. it's just not possible for your body to, to be able to, to do that. Maybe at the very beginning, possibly, but later on, if you're still in the cut, then you definitely cannot increase it. Maintaining it sounds reasonable. I would just mention that, you know, if you're doing something like three to five gym sessions in terms of weights, if you're serious about your cut, obviously I'm not talking about, about, um, about proper bodybuilding people, but you know, if you're just kind of into gym and you're going three to five times a week, I would maybe reduce it to, you know, two whole body sessions or something like that where you really kind of go heavy and you focus on the most productive exercises i.e the compound exercises and replace the rest with your cardio of choice you know be that swimming cycling running rowing uh the cross trainer or or whatever it is that you choose to do but just bear in mind that you you know you're not going to burn any really meaningful amount of calories while doing weights like that's not that's not where the calorie burning will happen no that's some great advice actually and i think that because that's so specific i really hope it's useful too and we've talked briefly we've kind of 
teased a bit around the topic itself of how quickly to go about a cut and I my opinion of this has changed quite a lot actually over the past year or so and my I, I used to come from the angle very much of being very very conservative and anything above 500 calories of a deficit per day was out of the question there's a different chain of thought that I've heard from Martin McDonald's uh, he's a pretty renowned nutritionist and he speaks about actually you want to be with some people maybe yourself you want to be very very aggressive at the start and he says that if you're sensible about protein and workouts you should be okay and the reason he says be aggressive is it's a great motivational tool and it just almost gives you that kick at the start but what's your take on it peter and where where do people need to be careful about how quickly they're cutting um i think generally unless you have a have an eating disorder right you're more likely to undercut than overcut in mm. other words you're more likely to you know have a lower deficit than higher deficit i think i think it's actually very hard to create a deficit that's high enough for you to cause health problems like that's not easy and that's coming from a from a person that you know has been easily in a two and a half thousand calorie deficit on certain days when i exercise when i do my my longer runs and stuff mm-hmm. like that just because my stomach will physically not allow me to to you know to consume let's say five thousand calories it's just not going to happen um and you know and i didn't die i didn't see any detriment to my exercise so we're certainly capable short term but that's obviously short term that's not an advice to say that you know that you should keep that kind of deficit for a week but short term you're definitely fine kind of you know even going into those large 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 deficits but overall i i agree in the sense that i would do it i would do a much harsher cut and when we were doing my cut if you remember some of the days i was doing it really really harsh and the most important thing about it is that like every every single body is different and so for me having those aggressive aggressive cuts actually allows you to learn more about your body and how it deals with them maybe you find that you absolutely cannot go that aggressively and that's fine but at least you have that information for you for yourself while you know you might actually find that you're okay with those those large large deficits and and your fat metabolism is just very efficient and it kicks in almost straight away. And so I think it's a very useful tool for that little bit of self-experimentation to do, as you, as you said, to go a little bit more aggressively. Don't even measure it, just go by feel as well. Like you kind of can tell if you're you know, in a big, big, big deficit. Obviously you want to know roughly how many calories are you under, but you don't need to count it you know, to the tens of calories and stuff like that. It's really interesting to say that actually, and two and a half thousand a day is is no small amount, that's for sure. And I think that's very interesting because, and I do remember when Martin was speaking about this principle that maybe potentially for people, they expect to 
not be able to cope if that makes sense at a higher deficit and i wonder actually from what you've said that and it's funny actually i've, I've still got the david goggins book in front of me i've still got a few chapters to finish off and the the whole 40 percent rule that he speaks about and obviously all the mindset principles it's fascinating actually because what martin said about being in large deficits is if you expect to fail or struggle or not be able to cope, that's probably going to be the case. But if you flip it on its head and say, well, let's give it a try and I might actually be okay, you're more likely to succeed. Um, Objects less based on science, but quite an interesting angle. No, I absolutely agree. And, and you know, my, my take on it is like, you you really need to push yourself first to see where your limits are and if you don't cross those limits at some point you'll never know where they lie so i think it's the mm-hmm. same with weight loss you really really want to push that caloric deficit and then figure out where you go from there but just having that knowledge that you know being in such a large deficit is not going to kill you it's not going to harm you and you're going to be perfectly fine i think it's very motivating for people because I think a lot of people will, when they start thinking about l- losing weight, they imagine small portions of salads and and those sorts of things. And obviously you will have to cut the amount of food, but b- not by that much. And then when you actually realize that your body can very well survive on those small amounts of food and, and you will get some hunger, but you will be able to cope with it as well. Then, you know, I think that's very empowering for people as well. I completely agree and it's such a it's such a good point to potentially start wrapping up and I do actually have a note of a few hacks or tricks that can help with a cut I wonder if we I'll give one or two of my own but do you want to give maybe even just one or potentially two tips or tricks or strategies that make it easier and more likely to 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 stick to it well first of all make it measurable right that's the most important thing you cannot improve on something that you're not measuring in one way or another so if you can you know you can probably get them off ebay as well but having that scale with large amount of good reviews that allows you to do the body composition and then you know and then transfer the data to a website or to your phone app uh, or maybe some of your gyms might have might have those as well available like our our university gym has i think those are invaluable if you're really serious about maintaining a strong and healthy body and about and about fat loss and kind of monitoring your your fat content especially the visceral fat percentage or the visceral fat rating that they give you that is the very 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 important number because that that fat is the one that contributes to your inflammation a lot more than the subcutaneous fat you know having those scales or those tools to use i think i think it's it's tremendously empowering especially once you see the kilograms starting to drop there's no better feeling than going for a, you know your weekly or four fortnightly weigh in and seeing that you've lost weight and that you've lost fat even better than, you know, like nothing's going to make you stick to a cut more than that. Nothing, absolutely nothing. And then also, you know, 
if you want some extra motivation, my best tip would be make it public like we did with mine. My extra motivation was that I was updating people on how we were getting along and how much weight I was losing and everything. And being accountable like that really creates an extra layer of motivation to keep going and stick with it. I always regret going second after so many great points. And I love that, actually. I think that <laughs> those two things, <laughs> what I think is really good about it, and I'll try and keep to this theme with my own, is people can do that. Those two things you said are actions that people can go out and complete. And to me, that's great because they're simple and it gives you that sense of achievement right from the start. And for me, this is maybe more based on hunger, but two things to look out for. One of them is food volume, i.e. if you compare spinach to coconut oil as the most extreme example, the amount of spinach you can get for 50 calories is just mental. And the stomach, the, the reason you feel full more often than not obviously there's different factors in play it's down to your stomach stretching so if you can get more volume into yourself you'll feel much more full and this is about being smart with how you spend your calories almost like a budget and then second one if you want to experiment and see how you feel with fasting it can be quite useful i.e starting your first meal or having your first foods around 12 it really helps to to manage your hunger and also potentially bigger meals which can be useful and that'll be my my take on it and feels like a natural place to to start to wrap up and i'm conscious i know in previous weeks we've had food and app recommendations i'm not sure about you peter but i'm struggling a bit more per week so i wonder instead of this if we both share one thing that people can go away and do after listening to this podcast the one thing you want people to to take away and the one action point and question would be do you want to go first or do you want me to to start no i'll go first one action point is very simple be patient with it and always remember your why there's um there's a quote that i actually think i'm going to put at the beginning of my thesis as my as my kind of overarching quote which is i think it's by nietzsche if i'm not mistaken which is he who has a why can bear any how and in this case the how is can be pretty grueling you know the hunger sometimes the lack of energy you know, the lack of motivation, why am I doing this when everybody else is, is enjoying burgers and pints and everything. But if you always come back to your why, and if that why is strong enough, then you will be able to persevere and then having the patience to do that as well. So, you know, sticking with it, even if you don't see, see results for a week, two or three, will really, really pay off long term. So that would be, that would be something that I would like people to do and take away from this. Such a difficult one to to follow up on. My my take on it and my recommendation is, which 
I'm going to expand on is start and you may think what why am I just saying the word start but the reason I'm saying this is you will never have the perfect conditions to lose fat and what I'm getting at here is we all have responsibilities day jobs side projects family to look after xyz and if you wait and wait and wait and procrastinate you will never ever reach your goal and one of the skills that i can honestly say is the most important at least from what i've seen is being used to being adaptable and just doing what you can with what you have and get going and that is my my take on it and to finish up peter where can people find you and what are your links your social media handles etc right yes so it's um as always scientifically fit.blog and then scientifically fit ig on instagram amazing nice and easy and for me i am technogogue nutrition on all the main channels facebook linkedin even and instagram and as a final ask for you guys listening please please share this with a friend family colleague almost use this as a gift to them and say hey listen to this great podcast with deck and peter i really think you'll benefit from the information give it a listen and let me know what you think it really helps us too and if you have any big nutrition problems or questions or topics you want us to cover we would absolutely love to hear your thoughts and that's all for me and any last things from you peter and we'll we'll finish no no you 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 put it so well you like we are here to help with anything that you guys might be unsure about or any issues that come up so just let us know please and we will we'll cover anything that that you ask us to cover so yeah and also if you just want to share a podcast with anybody it can even be an enemy we don't really mind <laughs> just as long as you as you spread the word and share the message that would be amazing and we're looking forward to seeing you guys next week yes thank you peter and a really exciting episode next week and keep your eyes peeled we not to ruin the surprise may or may not have a special guest and we'll be revealing the details very soon but in the meantime have a great week everyone thank you for listening thank you for their support stay safe stay well and goodbye from me and goodbye from me as well bye-bye